With the title race and the battle for Champions League and Europa League spots decided, all eyes turn to the scramble for survival. Everton haven't been outside the top division since the 50s, but they know a misstep against Bournemouth could see them dragged down to the championship. Leeds United spent 16 years outside the top division before they made their triumphant return to the promised land under Marcelo Bielsa, but now they face a swift return to the championship, while Leicester City staggered the sporting world by winning the Premier League in 2016, but in the space of just seven years, they could go from champions to championship. Two of these three must go down. Just one will keep hold of their tickets for English football's VIP club. But who will it be? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Bumper edition this week, no second show, so all of the dweebs and the cool kids can come together in a lovely display of harmony, and that kind of occasion needs a top tipping team. Luckily, I've got one, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark Everton know that a win keeps them safe, but anything less than a victory suddenly opens the door for Leicester or Leeds. They both need a win, and all of these games, it's worth remembering, are going to be played at the same time. How's this going to play out and what are the angles we need to take? How's it going to play out, Gosh, um, Well, first of all, I would say that um, I do not see all three teams winning their matches this weekend. Um, I know you could say they're all winnable fixtures in their own right, but um, I'd be staggered if all three of them got the victories that they need. So I'm expecting some sort of twist or turn. Um, for me, the way to attack this is to oppose some horrendous pricing because I think motivation has been overvalued in in some senses and we'll start with Everton against Bournemouth because um you know Everton are 4.6 for the drop right now and Everton don't need to win to survive they can survive without winning uh, they could even lose and still survive based on results elsewhere but the the market is suggesting here that they must win to have any sort of opportunity to survive and you know I thought Everton being priced up as favorites away at Wolves last weekend was a complete nonsense but I think their current price at home to Bournemouth on Sunday kind of trumps a lot, really. To see them almost 1.5 or sub 1.5 in any Premier League game against any opposition is laughable. Um, look, betting is always about... Because they are demonstrably about... rubbish or they wouldn't be there. They exactly. wouldn't be in danger of relegation going into the final day if they weren't not very good. 100%. Well, we've got 37 games worth of um, of knowledge here and Everton have struggled to win football matches consistently all through the season, regardless of who's in charge or who is on the pitch. And betting isn't always about what you think might happen. It's often about playing the probabilities around certain events occurring. And in this situation, I just think the, the value that the, the market is giving Everton to, to win this fixture is, is far, far too much. They've won once in 10. Uh, they needed to win all of those 10 matches. They need to win this weekend, but they had to win the previous 10. They only managed it once, which was that freak result at Brighton. They've won four games in 17 under Sean Dyche since the start of February, since he came in. Uh, since beating Arsenal in his first game, I think they've earned 15 points from 16 games, which is relegation form in its own right. And they've had to play a number of their sort of basement battlers in that sample as well. They've played Leeds, Forest, Wolves, Palace and Leicester. They've only won three of those 16 games, yet you're talking about them being 1.5 to win at the weekend. They've kept four clean sheets in 17 under Daesh. They've scored multiple goals on just four occasions. So 
my numbers basically had Everton around 2.1 to win this match without motivation factored in. And that's always the the big question is how much do you sort of factor in that motivation element? But the decrease from about 2.1 to 1.5 is just drastically over the top, in my opinion. And you're sort of discounting Bournemouth here. And I think you can often tell where a team is at by who's in charge, really. I think Gary O'Neill will be doubly determined not to be that sort of uh, doormat to just let Everton walk all over them. They put in a really competitive performance against Manchester United last weekend. Uh, a great goal settled that match. And sure, it was at home and they're away this weekend. But again, we'll just kind of go back to Everton here. Uh, an Everton team, we talk about Goodison Park being a, a fortress, if you like. It's anything but. They've scored the fewest home goals in the Premier League this season. Just 15 goals in 18 home games. Only Southampton and Leicester have won fewer home matches than Everton. Five wins in 18. Yet they're 1.5 to win this match without Calvert-Lewin, or it looks incredibly like, unlikely he'll feature, which is yeah. an enormous blow, I think. Um, he has been a real catalyst for what, some of their more enterprising performances recently. I know they haven't been getting results consistently, but with him in the team, you know, they do look a much more threatening side going forward. He links the play, his physicality. He's got pace, he's got ability. He is the the sort of the shining light, if you like, for Everton going forward. And I just want to labour the point on the price here, Everton being sort of 1.5-ish. They've only been odds on favourites once all season. That was way back in August when they hosted Nottingham Forest. They're 1.89 that day, which is a 20% increase on the odds this weekend. That was nine months ago. The biggest price they've been since then was 2.26 when they hosted Fulham in April and they were stuffed in that match at Goodison Park. Yeah. They've been below 2.5 four times all season, yet they're 1.5 here. As for Bournemouth, their sort of price, they've only been bigger than this price. Home and away against Man City, understandable, as well as away trips to Liverpool, Newcastle, Chelsea, Man United, Brighton and Arsenal. Again, understandable. I know they have nothing to play for, but Wolves had nothing to play for last weekend and should have beaten Everton. Bournemouth have already yeah, gone to Forest. were nearly in the second leg of that tie by the time they scored the goal, weren't they? It was like... 100, yeah, yeah. And that's the third equaliser they've scored in the 89th minute or later since the beginning of April. They could have easily been relegated already if the results hadn't gone their way. Uh, and Bournemouth have got a decent record against the bottom six scrappers already. I know they've nothing to play for, but they've won at Forest, they've won at Leicester, they've won at Southampton, only lost by one goal margin at Leeds as well. So... I'm going to back Bournemouth with a hefty handicap start here. We can get them on the Asian handicap with a, a plus one and a quarter start at 186, which means Everton must win this match by two goals or more for us not to make money. This bet has won in 35 of Everton's 37 league games this season. Only wow. twice have they won by two goals or more. We're getting 1.86 on that. So sure, it's a big leap of faith putting investment in Bournemouth and, and hoping that they do turn up motivated to be competitive in this match. But I do think in 23... 2023 or 2022 to 2023 Premier League footballers aren't probably what they used to be I think the the sort of on the beach element has kind of crept out a little bit from the game obviously there are a few teams who where you could attribute that but uh, I think Bournemouth will be keen to, to finish with a bit of a flourish themselves so yeah I'm not saying they're going to win this match Everton may well win it but um, we require them to win by two goals and we'll not to make money and you look at the other games Mark you've got Leicester against West Ham I mean Leicester are uh hovering around evens and I'm not sure I can have that either because Leicester have been have been terrible um and Dean Smith hasn't really lifted them and then you've got Leeds against Tottenham and I mean Tottenham have been pretty awful <laughs> it has to be said in recent weeks but Big Sam hasn't really had a big impact at Leeds either no I mean I would be more comfortable backing Leeds around 2.8 to beat Tottenham than I would Everton to beat Bournemouth at 1.5 um 
massive difference in price but ultimately I find both Leeds and Tottenham anything but trustworthy right now I know Spurs have got the potential to qualify for Europe but Ryan Mason will want to win this game but it looks like a lot of the players have checked out and look they started pretty promisingly against Brentford last week but once the equaliser came in they were a shadow of themselves and yeah yeah absolutely and their away record since January is, is one win from eight they've conceded two goals and more in six of those eight games as well um they're not keeping clean sheets they've lost five of the last seven two wins in ten across all venues one of which was the undeserving game against Brighton as well so I can't trust either team at the prices uh Leeds have only won seven games all season so you know what we talk about with these teams Everton and, and Leeds for example just because they have to win doesn't turn them into the best team in the world overnight because yeah. they have to. They've needed to win all these matches all season uh, and they've not done so regularly. So um, with the, the Leeds-Spurs match, I, I much prefer taking a goals-based approach here. Um, just because if you do take a, a pro-Leeds approach, results elsewhere could easily filter through, whether it's after half an hour or half-time, after an hour mark, they might realise that Everton could easily be two or three goals up and, you know, they're basically getting relegated regardless of what they do. So there's a, a potential for them to sort of disintegrate in that last half hour, if you like, and, and Spurs could take advantage. So I prefer goals in that match. Um, Spurs have only failed to score four times all season. But um, if you look at both teams in terms of home and away records, over three and a half goals has landed in 44% of Leeds' home fixtures and 56 of Spurs' away games as well. But if you look at their more recent games, Leeds' last 12, 11 have gone overs. Eight have gone over three and a half, and all 12 saw both teams score. As for Spurs, their last 11, uh, nine have gone over two and a half, seven over three and a half, and 10 of those 11 saw both teams scoring. So in terms of home and away, high goal titles all season. Most recently, home and away, both teams are scoring goals, conceding goals for fun as well. But the odds here for over three and a half goals at 2.4 suggests we've just a 41% chance of seeing four goals or more. So... You know, seasonal averages are high for both teams. Recent games have been very high for goals. State of play, if you do believe Spurs have something to play for here, is strong for both teams. So, and we talk about May being the highest month for goal game averages in the Premier League. Uh, well, the final day sees an even bigger hike as well. So, yeah, I'm quite hopeful this will be the sort of goal-heavy game. And also back Harry Kane to score at any time at 11 to 10, which is a, a massive price. He scored in 25 Premier League games this season, which is a, a record actually for a player in a 38-game season. If he scores this weekend, he'll have scored in 26 Premier League games. Only Andy Cole has scored in more Premier League games in a season. I think that was 93 uh, when the league would have been, what, 22 teams. Um, he scored in his last five away days. He scored in his last five final days of the season as well. And club and country, he scored in 11 of his last 13. So odds against, against that Leeds defence uh, really does appeal to me too. And mischievously might have suggested it might be his final Premier League game as a Tottenham player. It might not, but it might be. We don't know at the moment. Trader, tipster and origami legend Emmett O'Keefe is with us once again. Emmett, it's going to be a tense afternoon. Um, Mark has said about, we, we've talked about motivation a lot, haven't we? must be hard for traders like you to actually quantify that. How the hell do you even begin to compute how that's going to affect things? Yeah, it's it's really interesting, but it does. I, th- I think it, it does make it it does make it better for the gambler. I feel like because I think you can. I, I think it, it brings kind of an extra variable, and if you feel like as a trader or a gambler, you can you can kind of estimate that variable better than the market, and then there's an opportunity there that, that there wouldn't be in normal weeks, and kind of on that, like um, Mark's Mark spoke about how kind of short Everton were I. 
I, I, like I can't get over how how short Leicester are. Like Leicester, Leicester are kind of 2.0 to beat West Ham. I think if this was a normal Premier League match, I think maybe West Ham would be slight fabs or might be maybe kind of pick them each side on, on kind of the draw no bet. And I just, I have zero faith in Leicester getting 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 the job done, the, the, despite the motivation angle. Leicester won one of their last 15 English Premier League matches. I, I think like they're, I, I, despite getting a draw at Newcastle, I thought their performance was quite bizarre and like not really understanding the whole maths of the situation. Like I, I understand taking playing three at the back and keeping it tight but in the last 20 minutes half an hour I know I know they nearly scored with the Castagna shot but that was their only only real attack and I think if you're going to employ that strategy you have to at least press Newcastle in the last half hour and, and make a proper effort to get the win because if they'd won that match unlikely as it may seem like they would be they'd be in a far stronger position than, than they are now so I think yeah. I, I big think opportunity mean, wasn't it to get it back into their hands and they did exactly really seem to understand that that was the case. No, and I think their, their, the result they got was more product of kind of good luck rather than kind of good process. Like, And I think the... And just coming here, I think in theory, West Ham have no motivation in England. They'll be focused on the uh, Europa Conference League final, but that Conference League final is not for 10 days. Yeah. So given that, I wouldn't expect David Moyes to play a second choice team. I think like if you're a manager, not having your players play for two and a half weeks is, isn't ideal. You want players to you be want with them, don't you, ahead of a game exactly, like that. Exactly. You also want players to step up and go, I- I'd quite like to play in that game. Thank you. Ex- in Prague. Ex- Exactly. There's a couple of best spots in the West Ham team that might be a little bit up for grabs in, in the kind of front line as well. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's um, you've potentially Declan Rice's kind of last last league game for West Ham as well. So I, I think it's kind of, I, yeah, I I wouldn't expect West Ham to kind of lie down here at all. The other thing I like about taking on Leicester here is that the I know Mark rightly said that kind of Everton are, are quite short, but if Everton go up early... Yeah, or maybe say Everton were 2 0 up at half time, which isn't as far from beyond the realms of possibility. That motivation angle for Leicester is gone. And obviously, now in modern modern life, like as in the Leicester players will know from the crowd, the crowd are reacting if 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 Everton ahead. And you could easily see, we'll say if it's if it's one all, one all with half an hour to go in in kind of in, in uh, Leicester West Ham and Everton are comfortably ahead, that kind of the Leicester players' heads drop. And, and then it's and, and then again, you're you're kind of you're, kind of, you're well set up if you're a West Ham backer. So I think there's this is a real, there's a lot of politics about that West Ham price. I think you could play them, play it safe and go double chance at around 1.83 in the sports book. But I'd actually probably play a bit more aggressively and just, I think the way the way it's set up as well, Leicester, again, if it's more well, over 20 minutes to go and Leicester have to win, they're going to overcommit. And West Ham have an excellent counter-attack that can really exploit that. So I think West Ham are great value at 3.7 on, on, on the exchange. Now in years to come, the children of Malta will ask their parents in hushed, reverential tones whether they got to see the man known as Stinch grace the local football pitches. And while many of them will mournfully shake their heads, a lucky few will get to nod and just mouth gently, I was there. Odds compiler, tipster and fine amateur footballer Mark Stinchcombe is with us once again. Stinch, who's going down? Who's staying up? And tell us about this lovely position that you got us into a few weeks ago. If people were listening uh, and have followed you, they'll be in a good position. Cheers, Kev. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know who's going down, to be honest. You look at the prices for relegation. Um, Leeds are the huge favourites at 1-33. to Leicester, 1-7. to Everton, 16-5. to 
Um, I think the prices to avoid relegation are kind of maybe a more fun one to look at because it's more of a, a positive bet. Maybe in my mind, Everton are two to nine to stay up, Leicester four to one to get to stay up, and Leeds ten to one to stay up. I, I I've I I can see a definitely see a scenario as the guys discussed that Everton don't win, Leicester don't win, yeah, Leeds potentially don't win. Uh, as well, but there's no way I could be back in Everton at four to nine or, or Leicester uh, odds on. I mean, the reason these two, <laughs> the reason these teams are down the bottom is they don't win football yeah, they're matches. Not very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So why would I? I mean, I, I, I kind of, um, I've, I've never been one to want to back teams just because they need to win and they're playing a team that doesn't need to win. That's never been my approach. But I can understand it might be uh, the approach for for some people, but. Yeah, in my mind, I'd always want to oppose teams um, that need to win after they've been backed in, basically. You can understand people jumping the gun and, and taking early prizes or whatever, but nowadays it's that that's, doesn't really happen. It's already well known that teams are, yeah. are going to be playing for something and other ones are safe. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't want to get involved in, in any of those. I think if you want to, um, I would rather sort of take bigger prices like back Everton, like minus one, Leicester minus one, for example, you know, to, to rack up some goals or, or rack up a big win if the other team do massively switch off. But I have to say, we've already got had a great example already in the past weeks when Southampton hosted Fulham. Southampton had to win to keep their yeah. chances up. They had five shots in the game. Ugh. 0.15 expected goals, you know, like yeah. as, as sort of Emmett was alluding to there, there's every chance that these teams that, that don't even show up if, if results are going against them, they just, you know, yeah. just check out. Um, so I yeah, wonder I, as well, Stinch, whether we don't talk enough about the other side of it, which is, I think the assumption, and I understand this completely. And I think Emmett's right about the, the change in professionalism, what have you. And Mark's alluded to that as well. I, I just think players that, Yes, they have nothing to play for, but actually players just relax then, don't they? And if players can play without pressure and relax, and they're so well drilled these days anyway, it's not like they go on the pitch and suddenly forget everything they've been taught how to do. So actually that makes teams more dangerous, doesn't it? If they they can play without pressure. Yeah, it can do. That's why we do tend to see an increase in the final month and final day of the season because players play without the handbrake on. They they maybe make decisions that they wouldn't normally do in a run-of-the-mill season because of the jeopardy, because of the risk involved. And yeah, they play a bit more free. On the other, it can work the other way where the players do switch off and then it gives the other team more of a chance. Um, but the thing is, with, with Everton, Leeds or Leicester, or a combination of them, at some point we'll have to push forward. Either either I feel as though they'll score because the other team have switched off because it's the last day, or the other team will take advantage because of the gaps that they're leaving. So, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that's already factored into the, to the prices and the odds. But one thing that might be worth looking into is uh, as the game progresses... If the if it is still tight and cagey, I don't know nil nil one one or whatever, and they do need something. Yeah, I would look at maybe backing goals or maybe an extra couple of goals or or even um, you know let's say I don't know Everton are drawing and, and Leicester are winning. Um, look at 
potentially lay in Leicester or back in Everton with the when the sort of news filters through. But um, yeah, I would be on board with what the guys said already. And then as for as for Leeds v Tottenham, uh, mentioned a few weeks ago, uh, Tottenham to lose their remaining three games at eleven to one. So they lost four three at Liverpool. They lost um, at Aston Villa. So this would be the the final leg of it. And anything that was their last three away games of the yes, season sorry. to lose. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, so anything <clears throat> I, I had Villa about six to five, eleven to ten, they went off something like that as well. So anything uh if Leeds were anything eleven to four or shorter, it was value and Leeds are seven to four. So very happy to cheer that on final day of the season. Bliss football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. The battle for the final European place down to Aston Villa, Tottenham, Brentford. Stinch, I know you've got a couple of the relevant games here. We've got Brentford against Manchester City. Brentford have already beaten City this season. And we've also got Aston Villa and they're up against Brighton. Now, that could have been, if things had gone a different way, that could have been a straight shootout for a European place. But well done to Brighton. It's utterly remarkable that they've qualified for the Europa League when you think that just a few uh, short decades ago, they were homeless and directionless and nearly went out the Football League altogether. So that's a great story. So, Stinch, where do you want to start in those two? Uh, we can pick up with uh, Villa v Brighton. I probably need to start with the pretense that I'm not sure teams want, some of these teams want to be in the Europa Conference League. Cause How I very feel, dare they? Disgrace. <laughs> I, f- I feel like we've seen the impact that having no European competition can help with your league achievements. And I'm just not sure that these teams necessarily will be pushing everything all out to go. It's not like, they're going for the league. It's not like they're going for the top four. It's not like they're trying to avoid relegation. So essentially, I think it's been priced in too much. I mean, I don't I mean, you I... know that Unai Emery would crawl over broken glass to get into a conference league <laughs> qualifier. You know this, right? He won't allow anybody to slack off, I'm pretty sure. No, I don't think he will, but I, I just I can't I can't back Aston Villa at evens against like one of the best teams in the league in Brighton. Um yeah, Villa are two point one the on the exchange, which says that you know they're much better than Brighton if they were equal in terms of ability. Uh, with Villa being at home, Villa would be about five to four, six to five. Um, I don't think they're equal in ability. I do think Brighton are a level above Aston Villa, and I think that's are emphasized. they still hammered though after Thursday or or the last game? Are they still? I, I don't <laughs> think. I don't. Zerbi doesn't strike me as a coach that will allow them to check out and down their tools um you know he rested lewis dunk and alexis McAllister against man city and they were fantastic against man city um i think it might be McAllister's last game so i would expect him to play um i really like the younger players that have been integrated um seamlessly it feels like uh, enciso and buonnote right He's so good in CISO. Like, he smacks the ball from miles out. He's got a real edge to him as well. I loved him yapping at Almiron uh, the other day. I thought that was brilliant. Just no respect whatsoever for him, uh, which I thought was great. So, yeah, they've got a real edge, haven't they? They're not just really technical, talented kids. They're proper scrappers as well. 
I just don't see the likes of, like, I don't know, Matoma. I labelled him as one of the best players in the league this year mm. since the World Cup. I don't see him mentally checking out and not no. caring. No. Um, might be Moises Caicedo last game as well. And he's obviously a fantastic screen in front of that back four. So, and to be honest, there's not a lot that really, I know Uno Emery's done a very good job and we'll come on to it, but, you know, it's not a lot in that Villa team that kind of scares me compared to Brighton, to be honest. Um, you know, you, you keep Watkins quiet or off penalties. And um, yeah, I think you go some way to, to preventing Villa scoring. I do think they're a little bit um, over-reliant on, on Watkins. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at Brighton's odds, uh, very quickly whiz through them. Brighton 1-5 to v Southampton, 4-11 to Everton, 6-5. to Man United, 4-7 to Wolves, 8-13 to Forest, 13-10 to United at Wembley, 6-4 to at Chelsea, 13-8 to at Spurs, 4-7 to at Bournemouth, 8-13 to v Brentford, 4-11 v Palace, 5-6 to v Leeds and 4-6 to v West Ham. Yet they're 12-5 to here, you know, and I just think that's gone too far. You know, yeah. you can you can perfectly say, yeah, Villa might have more motivation, but I don't believe Villa should be as short as they are. Brighton are the best team in the league based on expected points the last 15 games. Yes, the best team in the league. That's mad, <clears> isn't it? That, and and it, it's mad, but you kind of accept it. If you tell somebody that, they, they kind of, once they get past the fact it's Brighton, they go, oh, no, that does actually make it, make sense. Yeah, I mean, if you've, I think if you've been uh, not watching the Brighton or not following the Premier League since Deservey arrived, then maybe you don't, you don't get that. But I think kind of from day one, you know, we, me and and Mark and and the other guys have been on have been very pro Deservey, very, yeah. Yeah, yeah. very um, well behind the their approach, and um, it doesn't surprise me at all how how where they're doing. I mean, I think I said last week, where can I get a price on Brighton top four for next season? Yeah, yeah. Um, because I well, feel if you they... watched him at Sassuolo, you knew even Benevento before that. Actually, and they were terrible, but you could see the footballer wanted to play. He was trying things out and he was trying to perfect this vision. If you'd watched any of his stuff in Italy or at Shakhtar, even though he wasn't at Shakhtar very long, you knew what he was going to try to do. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, just get the ball at the at the park as quickly as possible in in a possession-based way, like and and just relentlessly press when out of possession and it's it's just really, really great to watch. I mean, I thought it, they were fantastic against Man City yeah, and a very strong Man City team mm. as well. And they, they just arguably deserve to win that. Yes, you worry they might not have, uh, might have used a lot, of, a lot in the tank on uh, on Wednesday night, but uh, extra day off um, compared to Wednesday, Saturday turnaround. And as I say, they, they, they rested and rotated a little bit. So yeah, even if, even if that was true, again, I still think Brighton don't, 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 should don't, be as big as this price essentially yeah. I mean I mentioned the say best team in the league on expected points last 15 games uh, since Uno Emery took over Villa have accumulated the sixth most points so yeah you know massive well done uh, to him great turnaround um, super achievement of what he's done uh, ninth on expected points though and essentially during his tenure they've been the biggest overachievers so they've accumulated 11 more points than than they're expected to do so at some point there should be some uh, regression in my mind and uh, I think this is the perfect opportunity and so my bet of... here would be lay villa basically at 2.1 right you won't you won't get Brighton at these prices next season yes some players might leave but I think we can definitely trust in their recruitment process. They'll find new ones. They'll find some random you've never heard of who sounds like a regen and football manager, and he'll be utterly amazing. Um, in terms of Brentford, Manchester City, yep. how's this one going to go, Stinch? 
Yeah, so similar train of thought, really. Uh, Man City are f- five to six here. They were one to eight in this fixture last season. And this time around, there's no Ivan Tony as well. So yeah. one to eight to five to six. Too big a jump. Uh, Ivan Tony accounts for 35% of their goals, 20 of uh, 57 Brentford goals this season. I just think that Pep doesn't want to go into this historic treble without a win under his belt and some form, especially after the draw the other night. You know, Before that, they were on a 12-game winning streak. And uh, you mentioned earlier about having rhythm and confidence. And uh, yeah, I don't think he'll allow them to to play in, in another start. Yes, they probably will rotate, but they left out most of the defence against Brighton and Grealish. So in my mind, in a in a Tony-less Brentford attack, if they can keep Brentford quiet, one goal might be enough to do it. Um, they've got six days off until United in the cup final. And I just think, yeah, again, five to six is a when when can you back Man City to win a football match at <laughs> yeah. five to six against um you know a mid mid table opposition uh, or above average opposition? Um not that often. And uh yeah, the the amount of talent City have is uh, is just incredible. And as I say, they they left out quite a few players the other night. So I expect them to come back in. And um yeah, I mean if you don't agree, that's that's fine. You don't have to back them, but I think uh, yeah, it's it's too big a prize. I think maybe more fair would perhaps I don't know be four to seven city eight to fifteen around that area. I just think you know they're, they're they they were quite big at Brighton and then they got backed in when a when a strong team came out. So it might be worth taking the price uh, before the teams come out on Sunday. We're making a few changes to our great daily offers here at Betfair. You now have to opt in to promotions to enjoy the rewards available on the Sportsbook and Exchange. You can opt in quickly and easily by clicking a promotional banner or going straight to the promotions page and clicking opt in. There's a step-by-step guide on our website, betting.betfair.com. To the championship playoff final then, a battle of surprise combatants as Coventry take on Luton. Mark Robbins has done a sensational job with Coventry. Rob Edwards, there's a great irony here because Luton's bitter rivals, Watford, binned him after just a few weeks earlier this season. Watford getting rid of a manager too soon? Surely not. Uh, Mark, how's this going to go? Because I don't think too many would have thought both of these would have made it through to the playoff final. Would they have expected either of them to have made it? Uh, possibly Luton, but um, Coventry timed their run superbly. I think they spent 17 days in the top six all season and then burgled their way on the final day. So, um, yeah, full full credit to Coventry for doing so. Both teams were about 25 to one shots uh, pre-season uh, to win the league. So they're considered sort of well outside the, the front runners. Um, Luton, of course, were, were in the playoffs last season, but missed out on the final. So, um, but yeah, I mean, sensational achievement for both. And Look, there's loads of cliches around this guy game being the most valuable match in world football, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, what that does tend to do uh, with Premier League in sight is, is make games, championship playoff finals, traditionally very cagey, very tight. Goal mouth action tends to be at a premium. Uh, understandably, the, the pressure of the occasion can, can cripple some teams, can inspire others. Uh, quite often, it's a moment of magic or, or a bit of a big mistake, which can prove quite decisive. And um if you want to feel old, it's 25 years since the famous 4-4 between Sunderland and Charlton, uh, the oh Clive and Donker final. Why have you done that? <laughs> 25 years since that 4-4. Yeah, oh. yeah. It's uh, scary thinking about it. But uh, there's been 24 playoff finals since. Uh, 16 of those, 67% have gone under two and a half goals. Over half of those, 13 of the 24, featured a maximum of one goal. That includes seven of the last 10 Playoff finals have ended nil-nil or one-nil either way. 
Uh, in terms of both teams to score betting, um, only five of the last 22 finals have seen both teams get on the score sheet in 90 minutes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there are sort of trends, but they're trends for a reason because the magnitude of this match, you know, you tend to see low scoring matches because of that. So, um, if no I was a player, I'd just vomit the entire time. I don't know how <laughs> they do it. I genuinely cannot fathom how, which is one of the many reasons why I'm not a pro player. Um, I don't know how they do it. I mean, you've got all the fans, all the all their hopes on your shoulders, the money element, the fact you could be playing in the Premier League next season. So it's a team thing. It's a city thing. It's a personal. I, I genuinely don't know how to do it. Yeah, um, I saw QPR win promotion via the playoffs in the Championship playoffs against Derby not that long ago, the Bobby Zamora final, and it was the most nerve-wracking day experience yeah. probably of my my club supporting career really it was uh yeah hell of a hell of a day hell of occasion but obviously we've we've been on the, the other end of things when we lost to cardiff in, in cardiff back in the league one playoff finals and it's a thoroughly miserable experience if it doesn't go your way but yeah the, the pressure is is immense and um but i when i was watching the, the playoff semi-finals i was already looking ahead to the final thinking what do i want to back who do i want to be with how do i want to play the final if these two teams or any other two teams met each other. And I was hoping it would be a Luton versus Coventry final, because for me, it just makes it very easy. Uh, it's opposed goals or do nothing else, really, because uh, these two teams are, are very well matched in, in what they offer. Um, both devilishly difficult to beat, both brilliantly well-drilled, organised, have a little bit of X factor, Coventry probably more so than Luton, but they're physical very strong from set pieces, all those kind of elements. And what the best kind of, way I could describe them is they're just excellent teams, um, you know, both just brilliantly built and very, very hard to, to stay off, really. So Coventry have lost just once in 19 and Luton have lost three times in 27 since Christmas. Uh, both regular season meetings between the two were drawn. So immediately you look towards all the kind of, you know, BTTS no, Betfair stand out right now at 1.87. That for me is a fantastic selection, a fantastic price. Under one and a half goals is around 2.84. If you want to go a little bit, little bit further there, the nil-nil is 8.2 on the exchange. That's appealing to, I'm like a kid in a, in a sweet shop really, because there's so many <laughs> different angles. Um, if you want to play it slightly differently, you can back the draw under two and a half goals, basically, you know, dutching the nil-nil and the one-one at 3.5. That appeals as well. But um yeah, I mean, Coventry have uh, two players on their team who are probably the best players on the pitch in terms of Gonzalo Harmer and uh, Jokerez as well. Uh, Luton, much strong, much stronger from set pieces, but Coventry have got some real giants at the back as well. So they'll be well able to, to sort of handle that physicality too. So I can easily see these two teams sort of putting in together a bit of a, a slog, a bit of a scrap. I think we remember sort of Reading playing Huddersfield in a similar sort of scenario not that long ago when it was probably one of the worst games ever, uh, went to nil-nil, went all the way to penalties. I wouldn't be too surprised to see something similar here. So it's basically how you want to play it. Uh, both sides have racked up over 20 clean sheets in the regular season. Both sides actually conceded just one shot on target in the semi-final second leg of their playoff semi-finals, which is uh, incredible, really. That's utterly um, remarkable. What exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and both are, are just so comfortable kind of seeding possession, either playing on the counter-attack or playing off sort of low margin football as well. So um, understandably, the first goal in these playoff finals is absolutely key. The first, the, the team to score first um, in 18 of the last 19 championship playoff finals have gone on to win promotion. Wow. And I wonder whether the fear factor might take over here. We might see a bit of a, a slog, really, uh, with very few goals. So my 
bets are BTTS no at 1.87. That's standout bets price at Betfair. We're back in the nil-nil at 8.2 as well on the exchange. And I'll also back the draw and under three and under two and a half goals uh, at 3.5. So, um, yeah, hoping for a, a real dredge of a game, really. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully no goals at all and we'll get the, the full payout for all three. Emmett, this sounds like the kind of game that's going to make our eyes bleed. Is that the way you would see it? Yeah, potentially. I, I think it's kind of a, a kind of yeah, a little bit of a clash clash of styles. I think Luton are very much kind of a kind of a traditional English side with kind of a really with a bit of a kind of a long ball and and quite, and quite a direct approach, which obviously works them for. I think Coventry probably play probably a little bit more football. And Luton actually have been the second best team in the Championship since last Christmas over 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 quite a big sample size. Like and even I think probably Luton. It kind of were probably a bit more impressive in the semi-finals in that obviously Middlesbrough were a better opponent for Coventry, but Middlesbrough edged the X3, XG in both the first and second leg. Um, and whereas whereas Luton kind of were, I think, better than Sunderland in, in both matches and, and kind of cover comfortably beat Sunderland in the second leg. Um, I was just looking at a couple of kind of bet builder or kind of prop angles. The first one is with... Um, Kind of Luton striker Carlton Morris, who's like who, who's who's incredibly prolific in both the kind of sh- the kind of shots on target and kind of and, and and foul markets. He's had eight shots on target in his in his last nine matches, and he's had one or more fouls in fifteen of his last sixteen matches. He's one of those kind of physical strikers that gets in people's faces. You can get Morris the to Kevin have a Davis shot. Trophy, that kind of player. Yeah, yes. exactly, exactly, exactly. Davis was always one of the good quiz questions. But who was the who's the who's the most fouls of any player in the Premier League? He was pretty consistent in that regard. And yeah. Morris is cut from a similar cloth. You can get Morris to have a shot on target and to put one 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 plus fouls at one eighty five, which is pretty fair to me and as well if you're looking for a bigger price and um, the sportsbook price is 20 to 1 on this but i think you probably get bigger, bigger on the exchange it what should be a really tight intense game it wouldn't it wouldn't be surprised if um kind of set pieces with a difference and kind of Luton center back um tom lockyer scored three goals in his last four matches he's been he's been quite decisive and in kind of really good goal scoring form so you can get him maybe at i'd say maybe 28 to 1 of the exchange to score first i think that that's that, that's probably worth a bet as well yeah, that'll just cheer you on as the game unfolds horribly around you and you can just cheer that on, hopefully. Stinch, is this going to be terrible or, or will we have things to cheer? Um, it could be. I don't think it will be. I think it's fascinating because <clears throat> no, no one really expected these two to be in the the playoff mix, let alone the playoff final at the beginning of the season. Yes, Luton have, have been fantastic but um you know uh last season they they <clears throat> got as far as the playoff semi-finals i think maybe people thought the likes of norwich watford west brom these alleged bigger clubs would be the ones that would be in in this mix and in the conversation so i think there could be a, an element of actually maybe one of them will grab the opportunity um you know as mark says coventry barely spent any time in the in the playoffs this season and you know the the job that Mark Robinson's done. I mean, both managers have done a, an amazing job, but Mark Robinson in particular, given the the budget that's been there at Coventry, so they they could be an element of you know they they rather than you know this cagey sit back. Um, I think both managers are fairly modern in in the way they they think and um, you know know the the margins that are on their side. They they could actually um, um, 
play out differently to a, to a KG uh, game. So, um, but I don't really want to get involved in the in the in the prices. Um, I'm happy to let Mark uh, watch from behind a sofa with a <laughs> with with a low goals game bet. Um, yeah. I've gone Stop crossing the halfway line, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just kick it out of play. There must be someone down. Um, yeah, yeah. I've gone for more niche bet. Uh, looking at um, uh, Coventry's uh, best player, centre forward Victor Jokeres, Um cut his cloth at Brighton. I think. If Coventry don't go up, this this could be his last game for them. Yeah, uh, I mean it's a huge game anyway. So I think he, he, I mean he's been fantastic this season. He's he's led the line amazingly. Not only is a top goal scorer, but he's also got the most assists for Coventry. So he's an absolute massive talisman. Um, but with that, he also likes a bit of a yellow card. Um, he commits the second most fouls for Coventry, one point four per game. And he's been booked in five of his last ten away games. So it says to me that as we we're reaching the the pressure point of the season, he's you know maybe going that extra edge um, into his game. He's eleven to two to get booked, which is uh, really really nice. Um, when he played away at Luton earlier in the season, he made four fouls. And actually, if you look at the, him against the top six this season in twelve matches, he's made twenty six fouls. So his fouls wow. have gone up to over two per game when he's faced the big teams. And if you like me and you like betting big prices, of course you do. Uh, you can back Jokeres to be booked and score at 20 to 1. Now, obviously, wow. 21 goals this season, averages nearly three shots per game, over two inside the penalty areas, on penalties, all the ingredients here. And he did score away from Luton when they played earlier in the season. So two nice big prices there to cheer on in my mind. Now, we started the show talking about the Premier League relegation battle. The Bundesliga could see one of its biggest clubs relegated for the second time in three seasons. Schalke know they'll go down automatically if they lose away to an RB Leipzig side that just blew open the title race by beating Bayern. A win or even a draw could save them from automatic relegation if other results go their way. But Emmett, Schalke are in big, big trouble here because even though they've got their top scorer, Marius Boulter, back from suspension. They've lost Simon Torotta. They've lost Moritz Jens to suspension. And Leipzig, last time they played Schalke, absolutely dismembered them. It was 6-1. It could have been 16-1. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think, as, as we saw at Bayern Munich last week, uh, RB Leipzig aren't the only team you want to be playing if you are kind of if you need to push for a win because they're 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 an elite counter attacking side, and that's the kind of angle I, I, I kind of a pro Leipzig approach is the one I like here, and because of the kind of relegation angle and Schalke needing to win, the kind of you are getting probably a little bit of an inflated price on Leipzig, but. I, the, the, the angle I like more is to kind of take on Ural Kev and uh, Tiff of Christopher and Konku. Yes, he, get the drum. Here we go. Get, I'm yeah, handing exactly. you the drum, Emmett. <laughs> exactly. Go on. I'm, I'm, bang the Konku drum. It's it's it's. it's go it, on. It, it, you have to bang the drum. It's it, it's a real privilege to be able to, to to bang the Konku drum. But he's he's only played actually 24 matches. I'm going to have season. to do it, aren't I? He's not going to do it. I'm <laughs> yeah, going to have yeah. to do it. Right, give it back. Give it back. Come on. Right. Okay. Boom, boom, boom. There you go. <laughs> exactly. That's the that's... drum banged. Right. Now you can carry on. Yeah, that, that, that's that's how it's done, really. Um, yeah. So the, the Konku's actually only started 24 matches this season. Sorry, he started 19 matches when he played 24, which is the lowest number of any player in the kind of top 10 of the Bundesliga kind of scoring charts. I think this as well, another angle which is in his favour is that this is this is Nkunku's last match before he moves to Chelsea next season. 
but he actually needs two goals to equal Nicholas Fulcrug's, Fulcrug's total of 16 if the top Bundesliga scorer. I think like we saw with Son in the Premier League of the last day of the season last year, I think we'll see teammates trying extra hard to kind of facilitate yeah. that and have kind of a Kunku go out with a bang. Uh, he's even scoring any time, which is I think is, is is nice, but also he's he's two uh, him to score two or more goals at five to one and equal full grog is uh, I think is is, is 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 definitely worth the play here as well. I think what should be a very high scoring game. Yeah, it's looking dicey for Schalke. Let's return to the playoffs then. Uh, Yorkshire derby stinge between Barnsley and Sheffield Wednesday. You were there to see Wednesday have that really quite remarkable comeback against Peterborough are they going to go an extra step and win here as well yeah just incredible I I mean I still can't believe it like it actually happened just uh, I couldn't believe my eyes and then even the next day just like wow like to to see a team turn around a four goal deficit and then go on and not only turn it around but then go on and win because obviously they needed five goals to to actually mathematically qualify properly just just incredible I do think they're a bit short to win this game, though. They're 23 to 20 faves against Barnsley. Um, Unders is, four, is shorter than four to six. So again, as as Mark sort of painted the picture with a typical playoff final game, normally low score and normally cagey. And this is, yeah, as you say, a little bit of a derby as well. Um, I just think the market might have overreacted to to Wednesday's victory. Now, look. I think it could you could make a case it could go one of two ways you know they're on cloud nine they're completely under unbeatable now they've got this wave of confidence you know nothing can stop them kind of thing you know they've got this juggernaut yeah. on on the go but then I just also think you know hold on a minute it's a playoff final let's reset you know we didn't even expect to be here after the first leg and I think it just looks really short when you consider that Sheffield Wednesday went to Barnsley uh, I think it was uh, early March and Sheffield Wednesday was six to four away from home now we're on neutral ground I just I'm not sure six to four should plunge as, as so far to 23 to 20 um, and Barnsley actually won that four two so yeah I think yeah it depends your sort of uh, thought process here but I think I found a good way to actually get Wednesday on side um, <clears throat> one thing that was noticeable and, and definitely um, conversation for another day but how do you approach when you've got massive deficit and I sort of remember discussing with my friend that I went with that, you know what, maybe for 90 minutes, they should just bombard the box and just look for scraps and just, you know, how teams, you know, how teams with nearly every team does it, you know, they check their centre back up front, they check their goalkeeper up front for a corner in the last five minutes. Yeah. Why not just do it from minute the one? Whole game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was there was over uh, there was over sixty throw-ins in the match, which just sort of emphasises their sort of gung ho approach, and yeah, it just got me thinking that uh, maybe they'll continue with the same style. Or actually, let's have a look at how their style matches up throughout the season. And yeah, against Peterborough, they got twelve corners during ninety minutes, and across the two legs, they won the corner count seventeen three. Now, yes, okay, you can say. Uh, Thai State uh, sort of drove that a little bit but actually if you look across the the course of the whole season Sheffield Wednesday make the second most crosses in in the league and they concede the second fewest and they also concede the second few fewest corners in the league so I was looking at there's no prices available yet but when they go up Sheffield Wednesday will it be about five to six to win the most corners and I think it looks a really good bet um, you look at the two matches against Barnsley the season they've won the corner count 16-2 and we're asking them to win by one. Uh, you look across the whole entirety of the season, Wednesday have won 277 corners. 
only conceded 156, so a differential of 121. Barnsley won 252 and conceded 221, so a differential there of 31. So there's a big, big gap there between how many they're winning and conceding um, individually. And yeah, if, if you take the sort of average that they're winning by uh, across those 48 games, uh, Wednesday are having 2.52 corners per game more than the opposition and Barnsley 0.65. So again, there's a differential there of nearly two. Uh, yet the market will make Wednesday only around about 0.6 better. And this bet has won in 15 of Wednesday's last 19 games. So it's not something that they've... they've um, that they maybe did at the beginning of the season has tailed off a little bit, except for when they were trailing. You know, it's something they've been doing regularly. So I think this is a really, really nice way of getting uh, Sheffield Wednesday on side and something that happens in a lot of their games. They put crosses into the box and they also make sure they don't concede crosses. And as a result of that, they don't concede corners. So, yeah, I think if you want it to be uh, bolder, you could back, you know, uh, the line would be about 4.5 on Wednesday. So you could back over 4.5, maybe. You could back maybe Wednesday minus two, minus three, something like that. Um, but yeah, the main bet here would be to back Sheffield Wednesday most corners at five to six. To Serie A, Monza remarkably chasing a place in the top eight as they face relegation threatened Lecce. Mark, earlier in the season, we looked at Monza and thought, what a mess. Like they they got this kind of ragtag band together and they sacked Giovanni Stropper really early in the campaign. Been absolutely brilliant. Yeah, uh, quite an incredible turnaround, actually. Uh, both these two teams were promoted last season and they've gone in different directions because Lecce started the season okay, uh, then sort of found their form a little bit, found their range, but they've really sort of disintegrated from the spring onwards or even the late winter, whereas Monza started horrendously, as you say. They, they lost their opening five matches in their first ever season in Serie A, but their last 31 games, they have been really, really resurgent. Over those 31 games, Monza would be ranked sixth in the Serie A table based on points earned, one point below Milan and above Roma, which That's is... utterly wild, isn't it? It's bonkers. Considering but, the players uh, they've got. Yeah, only Napoli have lost fewer games in that 31-game sample. Monza have lost just seven of those 31. They've recently lost just once in 12. They've beaten both Napoli and Fiorentina at home and held Roma at home as well. Last weekend, they won at Sassuolo to make it five wins from seven unbeaten games. Just a terrific little team that don't show any sign of kind of slowing down towards the end of the campaign. This is their first ever season at this level. They're very keen to sort of finish as high as they possibly can. And I think they've been disrespected by the market because it goes back to our old friend motivation. Monza are safe, you know, mid-table, nothing really to play for, really, bar pride. Whereas Lecce, as you say, are scrapping for survival. But Lecce don't, they're not going to turn into a well-beaters overnight just because they need to win. They've only won once in the last 13. They're three points above the drop zone. They've won seven games all season. And if you exclude the bottom six, of which Lecce are a part of, they've won four times in 26 Yet the market earlier this week made this a pick Um, It started to correct itself a little bit uh, in terms of making Monza now relative favourites, but they're not strong enough favourites to to not get involved in this match. I still think Monza should be much shorter than they already are. So um, that presents opportunities for us. And I'm going to back Monza, draw no bet, or Monza plus zero on the Asian handicap at four to five. We get our money back if the game ends in a draw. We get paid out four to five if they win this game. They don't lose often. And as I said, they've been the sixth best performing team over the last 31 games of Serie A, which is a, an incredible feat for a new, newly promoted club. Let's complete that playoff picture then. Stinch, we've got Carlisle against Stockport in League Two. 
Yeah, so Stockport seven to five, Carlisle twenty-one to ten. Again, under two and a half goals is one to two. So another KG game looks like it's in store. I just thought Stockport, like on first viewing, I know I've talked about them um, during the uh, when we came back after the World Cup and we were looking ahead to the rest of the season. I mentioned them alongside Middlesbrough should come good second half of the season. Um, based on the closing odds so I, I'm just quite surprised looking here to see them at seven to five it, it's because of the the goal expectancy basically when you have a low goal expectancy it brings a draw shorter draws same price at Carlisle just above two to one 21 to 10 so essentially it has to push out both teams to to make room for the draw coming shorter so but I, I still think there's an opportunity uh, to get Stockport onside here by backing them minus a quarter uh, around about 2.1 on the exchange Stockport actually went off the same price away to Carlisle in April at seven to five. So now we're on neutral ground. In my mind, they should move back basically to that 11 to 10. Um, they were five to six in the home game earlier in the season. So yeah, 11 to 10 is very much that middle ground. So I feel basically by backing um, Stockport, uh, minus a quarter we're, we're essentially maybe stealing a quarter of a goal here so i.e that means that if we bat them in this manner if it finishes in a draw we'll get half our stake back whereas if we just bat them to win at 11 to 10 and they drew we'd lose all of our stakes so i think that's where where we can take a little bit of an advantage here <clears throat> i think it's likely that stockport will dictate the match they average the fifth most possession in the league 54 percent whereas carlisle averaged the fifth least um, and Stockport averaged the second fewest shots against in the league as well. So again, I think Stockport will have a lot of the ball and when they're not in possession, they'll ensure that they're not conceding shots in my mind. Um, they're the best team this season based on expected points. They just sort of let themselves down in, in quite a few games, actually, in terms of their efficiency in front of goal. And they come into this in a good place as well. They're undefeated in 14 of the last 15 matches in League Two. So it's it's theirs to lose essentially, and yeah, given the given the game the way I think the game will play out, I think it makes sense to get Stockport on side. And yeah, there may be something actually on game day when the the syndicates and the and the Asian betters get involved, that Stockport actually go off a bit shorter. So in my mind, it makes sense to to take them before uh, before the game on Sunday. Now it's time for the world-famous podcast treble, a betting feature so revered that Logan Roy once tried to buy it for $300 million, and we said no, although not in quite the same rude way as he would have said no. How this works is we each have a selection. Well, I don't. I'm not getting involved. Get the pros to do it. The three guys come up with a selection ahead of the weekend's action. Lovely traders like Emmett wrap it up for you in a boosted treble. And Emmett, I am going to start with you, despite the fact you refused point blank to bang the Nkunku drum in the way that I asked you. I am going to let you go first. Thanks, Kev. Um, that was a bit of a pathetic effort, all right. Um, yeah, I'll go with... <laughs> Could have marked mentioned this earlier, but I can like it as well. Um, Harry Harry Kane to score score any time at, at at around eleven to ten. I think over two and a half goals in this in the in in Leeds against Tottenham is is four to nine. I think it's a reflection of both sides kind of their matches averaging over three goals this season. The way it's set up with both teams having something on the line again should lead to should should lead to high goal expectancy. Kane's in absolutely red hot form, and also. 
the average person like me or you might not think this matters to people, but he's only two goals away from 30. And I think a sports person like Kane, who yeah, yeah. will think about that, that milestone would be in his head. And interestingly, he reached 30 once before in 2017, 18, and he scored two goals in the final day to get there. And so I, I expect Kane to do something similar and his, his kind of teammates to, to kind of to, to give him a chance of doing that and what, what, what could be his last game for Spurs. Stinch, what have we got for us? Yeah, I think... Uh, back in the best team in the world at five to six makes makes perfect sense and just very quickly so Man City that is and quickly on the similar lines to Harry Kane because City is so big at five to six you can actually back Her- Erling Haaland to score at ten to eleven which oh my is not God. something yeah what? which is not which is not <laughs> how something has that, that not come up before yeah which is not something you'd normally associate if he starts of course if he starts uh, yes nine nine to two to get a brace as well he's on 36 goals uh, I think there's a lot of chatter about him maybe breaching the 40 goal mark but the goals are sort of dried up a little bit of late but I would not put it past him to turn up on Brentford even as a substitute and stick four in yeah so that is uh, certainly worth considering and Mark take us home do you want uh, a bigger price or do you want me to just play it safe Always a bit game show. Bigger price. Go on. We're getting towards the end of the season. Go on. Still final final weekend of the season. Uh, we'll go to the Zwei Bundesliga. Um, then, yes. Because Greuther Fürth are hosting Darmstadt. And Darmstadt won promotion last weekend uh, with a sketchy 1-0 win. Uh, sparked massive scenes of celebration around the city and around the club. Uh, largely down to the relief, really, because they've led the league for most of the season, but it stuttered a little bit since late February. But finally got over the line. Um now, the Darmstadt squad have been off in the Balearic Islands this they week, celebrating <laughs> <laughs> on the beers, uh, enjoying the sunshine. Uh, they came back, I believe, on Wednesday and they were back in training on Thursday. Uh, this match takes place on Sunday. They go away to Greuther Firth, a team who've lost just twice at home all season. Now, Darmstadt, when they were in the you know, needing to win, needing to sort of continue their promotion challenge, lost four of their last six away games anyhow. So, I'd be stunned if they were anywhere close to the best of their ability this weekend after spending most of the last few days uh, celebrating on holiday, if you like. So um, they literally were on the beach. So I will back Greuther Firth to win this game. They're about 2.8 at home. They've actually scored in 30 of 33 league games this season, which is the best scoring rate in the division. And they've got a very decent home record too. So uh, expect them to score and hopefully avoid defeat and pick up three points to land the treble. Lovely stuff. Now, it is the moment the world has been waiting for all week. A cultural phenomenon. Phenomenon. Why would I write phenomenon in the script? I'm going to do it again, but we don't worry. We won't take this out. We're going to keep it in. Uh, a cultural <laughs> phenomenon. There we go. I did it. That brings the boomers, the millennials and Gen Z together. It is Mark O'Hare's Scottwatch. Yeah, final effort of the season. Um, going to back a Motherwell-based back bet here um they sacked Stephen Hamill on Valentine's Day after they were beaten by Wraith Rovers in the Scottish Cup Uh, they were joint bottom of the Scottish Premiership at the time they'd won just five of 24 Premiership matches and hadn't won a home game since August when he was relieved of his duties uh they'd taken four points from a possible 33 in the league as well before that cup defeat so the board were sort of forced into that decision uh Stuart Kettlewell took over an interim charge a former Ross County manager but the upturn has been nothing short of sensational, actually. Uh, Motherwell won his first sorry, two games sorry, in charge. Uh, sorry, can I just stop you there? His name is Stuart Kettlewell. Yes. That does sound like a character from Balamori or something like that, like a kid's TV show. I like that very much. 
Stuart well, Kettlewell. Okay, lovely. Carry on. Sorry. He's doing a, he's doing a brilliant job. Um, he's got the gig full time now. He steered Motherwell sixteen points clear of rock bottom, eight wins, three draws, just two defeats. They even held Celtic at Parkhead during that sequence as well. Now, Motherwell survived relegation a couple of weeks ago, which is testament to Kettlewell's work, really. But they are finishing with a flourish, and he's talked about trying to finish in the best manner possible. So they won three of the last five unbeaten games. They've picked up top honours in five of the last seven at home. They're a nice price around evens to beat Dundee United this weekend. A Dundee United side who are rock bottom and almost certainly relegated because they're nine goals worse off in terms of the goal difference swing, which is required on the final day. Now Have they got that Jim Goodwin in charge, or am I making that up? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And he, he are you about to tell us how bad he's been this season? Is that part of it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, he's we talked about... He's the dude who lost to Darvel, right, when he was the Aberdeen manager? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So yes. they've lost their last four games when they've been fighting relegation. They've conceded eight goals in the last three. They've lost 12 of the last 18, as well as 22 of 37 overall. Really miserable season, made worse by the fact that Dundee are going to pass them on the way up after winning the Scottish Championship. So I like Motherwell to win, but we're going to boost that price up to two to one by back backing Kevin Van Veen to score at any time as well. He is Motherwell's top goal scorer. He is the second top goal scorer in the Premiership with 24 goals. 13 of those have arrived in his last 10 games. But most remarkably of all, Kevin Van Veen, of former Scunthorpe uh, fame, has scored in each of his last 10 games, wow. uh, including a match against Dundee United not so long ago. So Motherwell to win and Kevin Van Veen to score and a double at two to one would be the selection. Uh, I realise I've realised I've rumbled on a lot there. So culture corner um, will be quick. Um Motherwell, obviously not too far away from Glasgow. The most important they... bit of the show. You don't have to rush it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> There's not much to say about Motherwell to town, really, because they are so close to Glasgow, really. But they've been playing top-flight football since 1985. Only have a, a Scottish Cup to the name um, since uh, 1991, really. Uh, they've won four trophies in their time, uh, including a Scottish title, actually, in the 1930s. But they play at Fir Park which has been their home for 120 years. Uh, and in 1913, they opted to uh, change the club's colours from blue to the claret and amber that we see today, basically inspired by the success of Bradford City, believe it or not. Yes, <laughs> wonderful. Uh, it's not like Juventus being inspired by Notts County. It's uh, it's Motherwell being inspired by Bradford City. Um, now, interestingly, too, uh, the Thunderclap or the Viking Thunderclap, which was popularised by Iceland at Euro 2016, Motherwell fans were the originators of that chance and they passed they it on really? to the Icelandic club Stjarnan uh, when they yes. played yes. in the Europa League game in 2014. So, uh, yeah, they get uh, very itchy and annoyed when uh, Iceland are kind of uh, described as the originators of that chance. So Motherwell is where it began. I love that. So Motherwell had it first. They played the European game against Stjarnan. Stjarnan nicked it off them and then it just spread like wildfire in Iceland. Yeah, Wonderful and they took all the glory. This is all very educational stuff. I enjoy it very much. That's why I always interrupt him so much during Scott Watch, because I'm genuinely excited and can't control myself. Uh, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of great content on our website, betting.betfair.com. There is only one show this weekend, so if you've listened to it and think, oh, I've got to listen to the Sunday show, there is no Sunday show. You're all cool kids this week, so congratulations for that.
Now, it's been another captivating season, which we very much enjoyed, but we were reminded last weekend of just how far we still have to go in the battle against racism and discrimination in the sport that we love. The horrendous abuse suffered by Real Madrid winger Vinicius Junior, a stain on Spanish football, a stain maybe on Spanish society. But of course, we're not immune from such things in the UK. Bukayo Saka, like Vinicius, an exciting and joyful young black winger, signed a new deal with Arsenal recently after an amazing campaign. But let's not forget, just a couple of years ago, he was the subject of monstrous racial abuse with his crime simply to have had the guts to step up and take a penalty for his country under the most unbearable pressure. It's not enough simply to not be racist. We have to call it out wherever we see it, wherever we hear it, to actively stamp this thing out, to take the fight to them. We must never allow the victims to take the blame. It must never be about how a player provokes, how they celebrate, even how they taunt the opposition. Racial abuse cannot and must not ever be justified. We're not done for the season. We have a couple more shows, including a full preview of Manchester City's Champions League final against Inter. We're going to be getting under the bonnet and looking at all the best angles of that game. Very much looking forward to that. From Emmett, from Stinch, from Mark, and from me, it's goodbye for now.